Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. Welcome, everybody, to Teach Me Pokemon, the podcast. I'm your host, Corey, and along with my co-host, Jared, we're best friends, been playing Pokemon for a very long time. Welcome back to another episode of the Teach Me Pokemon podcast. I am your co-host, Corey, here with my co-host, Jared. And we're going to come at you today with the results of a, of, a, of, a, of a small regionals in San Antonio, Jared. Oh, wait. <laughs> no, it was a massive regionals in San Antonio <clears throat> this past weekend. Uh, Jared will come at us with an educational lesson, as always. And then your boy, Corey, I'll, I'll give you some results. I, I was able, Jared, I was able to hit this one up. This is my first regionals of the season. I was able to go down there. Um, yes, had a glorious. Good, yeah, had a good time. We were there with my buddy, uh, or our buddy, Logan, um, you know, raining down from uh, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And uh, Logan did well, too. So, um, or he did well. I didn't do well, too. But I'll go through my my results with you but overall first let's just let's just talk about the tournament in itself jared was this the largest regionals ever is that what they said on the cast i i, I didn't catch that I from people so. there I, maybe i missed something but there were there were 212 people in day two insane 200 it's insane yeah and it's really great for the game um but that's that's a lot a lot of people it's a lot of people yeah 19 185 almost 2000 masters at this thing mm. like my first round i was at table 949 it was like geez there's 949 tables here that's just stupid like in that was just in crazy 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 to me so um, like we said everything's <clears throat> bigger in texas Corey. everything's bigger in texas man you know come on come on pokemon let you're doing it doing it up um azul GG Azul Garcia Griego takes it down. Jared he wins this with Charizard. Um, Azul, you know, obviously one of the best North American players. Um, you know, one of the best players in the world. You know, has an active channel. Has been playing the game a long, long time. Um, you know, I guess my claim to fame against Azul. I did tie Azul a long, long time ago uh, <laughs> at a <laughs> at a Portland Regionals. Uh, he was on. Uh, he was on Seismitoad, and I was on Sylveon, and we tied. So, um, sorry, Azul. I got that on you. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, no, man, like, tell me about what you were seeing on stream, you know, because when, when, you know, when I'm there, it's hard to get a sense of everything else going around around you because you're just so focused on your own self and tournament and, and your deck. So, like, what were you noticing about his Charizard deck that may have been different or, or anything that stands out to you from his tournament run? The, the thing that I noticed, you and I talked last week about 
two things. We talked about, you know, what what we thought the shift from a European centric style of play to a North American <clears throat> style of play would be. Yep. And I thought you nailed that. Like yep. you said, I'm I'm predicting Charizard to be there. And Charizard, whether it was day one or day two, number one deck, most yeah. played deck. Yep. And ends up winning the tournament. Yeah. But the other thing that I've, I've I've looked a lot into and I've looked into a lot of this this decks is and I'm proud to say this for a lot of the North American, the the tweaks that people made in some of the top decks were tweaks for consistency. Mm. They, they they were throwing. I'm going to throw a, a one mu in there. I, I you know I, I traditionally don't run the Luminion. I'm going to throw the Luminion in there for mm. consistency. Mm-hmm. And Azul's deck is evidence of that. This is a Charizard deck that had those two cards that I talked about added, and it made the difference for him. It allowed him to pivot to get what he needed and that's you you saw that in a lot of the decks control decks were making changes for consistency Maridon was making some if it was a more older version not the new peony was making consistency mm-hmm. the name of the game as i was watching the stream is like people were willing to risk pokemon that might get pulled off their bench and sniped for the sake of consistency yeah well and, and i think specifically in like charizard it's like okay take out the luminion you're just making my charizard hit harder so you know yeah i'm giving you two prizes but do you really want to take the bait there you know now of course if that's the last two prizes to take the game those are you know easy to take there <clears throat> with the 170 health but yeah i mean as as people are coming up and learning the game and putting decks together, it's always going to be how do I make this deck consistent? How do I draw cards? How do I get out of a Iono to two? You know, and is there a yeah. way for me to draw out of that? And if you if you have that in your deck, you know you're <clears throat> you're you're doing the right thing there. And so that's great to see and hear that. The, the other advent of that I should point out is the advent of all of these people running the Rodham. Mm. traditionally the Rodham is something that we saw in control only yeah um now it's in charizard and they're saying i want those three cards i want those three cards turn one you may iona me that's fine but i'm getting to that pidgeot or i'm getting to that charizard my second turn yeah 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 and then and and that kind of helped that they go second which is what a lot of these charizards still like to do um it helps you throw the rod down you draw three cards and now you're just completely set up to evolve and, and start hitting hard and again it's the same principle of like okay man come at my rodham then you know you're gonna you're gonna kill it you just increase my charizard's uh output of damage and it's heat and charizard's still hard to one shot at, at 330 so uh i think that does make sense and and, and then in turn just because it's like always a a game of like you do this i do this didn't you see like more spirit tomb kind of being played now too there was i did see a lot more <clears throat> spirit tomb but it's just funny man like we talked about this last week and uh, if you're looking at the statistics it's it's mu genesect is still the third most popular deck in day two yeah it's like there are so many cards to ruin this deck and and it just keeps hitting like it, it once it rotates out like whatever but man it's just nuts um the other thing i can look at this and say like I was way off on is the Inteleon carried yeah. over yeah. from EU. That wasn't just a an EU trend, even though we saw some other decks become more prominent. Yeah, Inteleon, twenty two decks in day two, ten percent of day two. Yeah, well, so, and if you can honestly look at this and say what deck does well or has 
advantages against Charizard. I'm looking at all the day one breakdown. So Charizard, your, your top four decks. Charizard, Maridon, uh, Giratina, Gardevoir. It is Inteleon. It, it is Inteleon because you can de-evolve Charizard. You can de-evolve Gardevoir. You have the fighting weakness against Maridon, and then you snipe and lay damage counters against Giratina against the Manafi, um, the Comfies of, of Giratina V Star, and can lo- uh, Yoga Loop and stuff. So, like, great play. I think if I had thought more through that, I've never really been playing Inteleon Urshifu, but I maybe would have picked that up, man, because that really held advantages against. You know what, 33, 34, 35, 50% of the field, Jared, Inteleon Urshifu would have gone into that feeling like, oh, I have somewhat of an advantage. Yeah. No, I don't think you're wrong. So I think people will continue to find ways. Um, I do think D Evolvers, as we talked a little bit about last week, is strong into the Gardevoir, obviously in Charizard matchup. Yeah. Um, but it's just hard when you're given so many options and wisely laying down basics to set yourself up again for the next turn, which we saw Azul do all weekend. So um, really, really, really wild. It was interesting. There was a we saw Lugia and Chi and Pao in day two. Mm. <laughs> Which what? Three? What? Was there one of each? What? What, what was that two conversion? Of <laughs> two. Two of <laughs> but let's. God let's bless him. God bless him. Let's talk about Palkia. Oh yeah, yeah. What? What is going on here? Because I'm. I'm being honest. I know. You know, looking at the results, we see Joseph in third. This deck got third. Yeah. Why? Why is this deck working, Corey? Because. I don't have a great answer for it. I feel like its weakness is into one of the most popular weaknesses right now. Mm. I I can't explain why this deck works, and I'm wondering if you have a good analysis for that. I, I think my take on it would be, and yes, it it part of it is weak to lightning, for sure. It can pivot, especially um, uh, Joseph's version of it, right? You know, he has the Ice Rider... Uh, a Shein Pal, that, that's weak to metal, you know, so you're not necessarily worried about the Maraida on there. But <clears throat> a deck that can, and, and maybe this is a Jared special, man, but like turn, if it goes first, it's it wants to go first. It has so many options on its second turn because of the V-Star ability, and it can it can swing for 260, right off, two energy right off the bat. So you're swinging for 260 pretty much the entire game. It's just a lot of pressure that that this deck applies. <clears throat> it can't really one-shot outside of the Xi'an Pao, and it, once you burn the V-Star, you're kind of stuck a little bit um, because you don't have the ability to just put a bunch of energy in play like you do with the Backscalibur version. Backscalibur version. But then also turn two, it can still Greninja, which is always terrifying against a deck that has you know 80 HP Pokemon or 90 HP, whatever. So I just think this is a quick, and it, it applies pressure on you, and it just keeps the pressure on you. And I think that's why they like a deck like this. And anything that can still use the era does can then have cross switchers. So you still get those cool plays where you can play an era to grab something else and the cross switcher and still do all those things. So that's why I, in my opinion, I think that's why it's still prevalent. I think if more players ran it, it would, you would see a much higher percentage in day two. I think this deck is super consistent. I, I hit up against one in my second round and you can just see that it just doesn't, it's hard to like stick this deck into a bad position. So, although it does have its disadvantages, right? It really just caps at its damage and stuff like that. But 
I think that's why it's popular because it, it can just get on top of you and it doesn't need a lot to, 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 to do the things it does. Well, I think that's a good take. I'm also looking at the list. Melanie, you know, you're attaching that extra energy for turn is really strong. Mm -hmm. Right. It does offer, um, it does offer a lot of unique and it does feel very pressure oriented. So yeah, again, this is this, in my opinion, this is the spiciest deck right now in, in, in terms of like a unique put together of cards. Cause again, we did not in the top 200 decks, we didn't see anything there that was surprising to me. Mm. And as a rogue player at heart and yeah. soul, Corey, yeah, yeah. I always want to see that one guy that saw something that nobody else saw, threw it together and snuck in there. But in my mind right now, this Palkia, as well as still the Electrode Cloth, is still the most unique and interesting things that are being put together right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm looking at the Lugia build here, the one in day two. They have a Shaman V in here. I think that's pretty cool. Um, a Leaf Colorless, 60 plus 40 more damage for each prize card your opponent has taken. So that's a nice little, little turn onto Charizard there. So that's cool. It did run the Dunsparce to help against the Maridon matchup. So I think you're back into that. If you're thinking Lugia, which I know this is a tough world for Lugia. But if you're thinking back to the old version of Lugia with your um, Raikou and your... Um, uh, uh, who was the uh, Evital <coughs> and Dunsparce? You always had these like random, you know, single prizers to help. Maybe the Dunsparce makes a comeback and helps Lugia fight off some of the the Maridons of the world. So that was kind of cool. That's a little rogue, not rogue, but um, a standout. But yeah, and you're right. Matthew Stratford down here had a little Arceus. I I was feeling there that all. Three, uh, there were three Arceus. There were three. About playing Arceus. I did talk about it, man. I, I I had it with me, and I you know I thought, oh, is this the deck? Should I run this? And I didn't do it. Um, maybe I should have. What did? Oh, are these brothers? Matthew Stratford and Nathan Stratford. They have to be brothers. We'll say they are for the sake of the show. Two guys, same last name, running a mirror deck. Come on, Come man. On. Come, Come on, on. man. <laughs> Come on, man. So, uh, but yeah, Jared, I, at the end of the day, you're right. It was a lot of just your normal kind of decks. There wasn't that one. Now, it's so funny. Now we're in a world, again, I think I brought this up last episode, but, you know, there's three Snorlax stalls in the top 10. And, we, you know, you know, it took us 15 minutes to even bring that up because now it's just normal. Like, well, they're just here now. So. And there, you're seeing some variation. I was going to talk about that a little bit, but you're seeing the Pidgey. Mm -hmm. being added to some of these lists and we almost saw mirror match in the top eight of of snorlax versus snorlax which would have been a snore fest <laughs> uh I don't, I don't know i'm so glad that that didn't happen i'm sure the the pokemon judging team was uh hurting some numbers to make sure that those two didn't match up oh my gosh the only in advantage <clears throat> i in, in one of the versions i'd run with snorlax stall i had that module module lure in there or lure module whatever it's called where the opponent has to look at the top three cards and whatever Pokemon are there, they have to put it in their hand. And that's the only real counter in the mirror because they'll just keep cycling that Pidgeot. And you just, if they cycle it and you play it, then you win, you know? So, uh, right. but I don't know if anybody else had that. And the Pidgey one can attack the traditional sure. Morlax cannot. So that's very interesting. Sure. I want your take on this. Cause this is another trend that I, I, I thought I saw. I feel like the best players are finally figuring out Mew EX. Mm. EX came out and it was the only thing in 151 that people were super excited about. Yeah. 
And then the first tournament, I forget the first tournament after it came out, it was in people's decks, but it wasn't really being utilized. But man, like it is in, it's in Maridon now. Mm -hmm. How smart for that. You peony, mm -hmm. you have Mew after you peony, you play both your electric generators, then you draw three cards. Mm -hmm. it, Raikou has draw yeah. all of a sudden, which is something we were critical of last week Yes, in the show. Yep. The Palkia, use your V-Star ability, load up the Mew. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like people are finally getting just how important this Pokemon is. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, it, it was just going to take time for, for it to make its way. You know, I think the, the Gardevoir was always the, the, the first one that always made sense because you could just throw energies on it or whatever. But it's like, eh, does that, do you really need it in there? I mean, the power of Gardevoir is always because it's a state, it's a one prizer deck for the most part. So, you know, I like how it's seeing these other iterations and decks and just being able to draw three cards, you know, is, is always been a powerful ability. You know, I think that was like a Rangaroo did that. And, and now this deck has the ability to attack too. So that, that is a good, the free retreat. I mean, Pokemon, the company knew um, we're making this card and this is going to be played in a ton of decks because it's just versatile. So I love that, man. I love that we're seeing that uh, played in a lot of decks. That's good. I, I agree. Well, next next in a tournament, I believe, is Charlotte. Not sure if we have another international <clears throat> one in between here or there. Yeah, I don't um, know if we do. I know that's uh, someone's birthday that weekend. Is Charlotte? We do. <laughs> we do. Charlotte will be my birthday, and I will be at home. So, <laughs> gonna gonna get out there to knock. <laughs> to knoxville playing some side events with my son that's, that's oh, the game man. plan for me but let's okay that's i think that's a good <laughs> a good meta breakdown let's talk about you Corey dickman mm. been talking about san antonio for quite a while why don't you yeah. tell us what you ended on why you ended up yeah. on that deck how it performed and what you would change potentially yeah so i'm driving at well so you know i don't have a lot of cards at my disposal so you know, when we're go when we're planning for regionals, it's like I, it's like a, it's like I uh, I need a village to help me because everyone has to contribute cards in order for me to put a sixty card deck together. So shout out to uh, you know Stray Collections, our sponsor. He hooked me up with um, he, he he gave me two decks. For the most part, we're ready to go. I did need to have some pieces to them, but that was Snorlax Stall and it was the Arceus deck, <clears throat> and so I had those at my at my ready. And then, uh, then our boy Logan, uh, coming up from, uh, or coming, coming down from Murfreesboro, he had Gardevoir ready. He had, um, a Mew ready for me. And so, you know, I had these decks ready. I'm driving down from Waco. It's about a three hour drive to San Antonio. And I'm just like, okay, I got to pick. I got to, you know, so I'm running matchups in my head. I'm like, this, this, this. And, and, you know, we get one tournament a year, maybe two Jared, you know, at our stage of life now. And, I just wanted, I was like, let's just do the safe play. I, I felt very comfortable in my ability to outplay every opponent that I came up against. And I just didn't want to lose because of something really stupid happening that was out of my control. And so I, that's where I settled on Gardevoir because I'm like, this deck is, it draws, it has a little issue setting up sometimes. Yes. But, uh, but I felt like it was kind of in my control if I'm going to get this deck rolling or not. <clears throat> I knew we, we, we talked about it. I was well aware of the tying capability of the fact that this deck runs out of time in a 50 minute best of three. So I understood that. 
But it just was like, if I go in with stall, my worry was that I, I, I wasn't going to have enough control of the matches. That, that's my only thing with Snorlax stall right now. We've talked about this. And I do think there's versions of it that help. But it is very much like the, the control decks I like to run is like, I know I have you down. Snorlax just feels like I'm waiting for you to get out of something. And then do I have the cards to then fight back against it? And so... I just, at the end of the day, I just like, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do Snorlax. I probably should have. If it didn't win Poland and if it wasn't super popular, when I say super popular, it's not like run by everybody, but it, it's known now. People are teching against it. So like my round one, Jared, uh, I'll go through my, my rounds real quick with you. But to, to my right, I see a Snorlax guy. I'm like, good for you, man. I love it. Right across from him, the dude starts a mini or against him. And I'm like, dude, I, I would be furious if that was me that decided to run stall, hit up against the one card that just counters this deck so hard. And I would have been so upset. And that poor stall guy just it got wiped because of one card. It just wiped should've him. Run the, should've run the Dunn's Farce. So I went with Gardevoir. But you were, you were, not, you were not happy with my selection. I wasn't because we, we, we didn't know at the end of last episode what you were going to run. You were still making decisions. And my whole pitch last week is, you know, speed. Speed is on the rise. Yeah. For, for a lot of these decks and the consistency that we didn't predict. But Saul, I, I feel, was a detriment to getting the win. Because what was, what was your record when you decided to leave the tournament? When I dropped, my record was 2-1-3. and three. I think that, or I was, or did I go two one four and then I dropped? I think that's what I did. Two one four, yeah. <clears throat> two one four and then I dropped. Yep. So that was a lot of ties. It was a lot of ties. And here, I'll just go through it with you. So, so round one, my quick funny story for round one. So I show up there in in typical me fashion. I got there about six minutes before the tournament started. So, uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> really focused for that first round poor logan was waiting for me by one of the card table or by one of the vendors and like he was just was so antsy he wanted to sit down because pairings were up you know like he was freaking out and so i'm running in the venue i grabbed the deck from him and, and a friend of mine that lives in waco was standing there because he was playing in the tournament he was like Corey, you're playing I was like, yeah. And he sees Logan hand me the deck. And he was like, yeah, man, that's very typical Corey getting his deck handed to him five minutes before the tournament starts. And I was like, yeah, it's pretty much how it goes. So, um, but I had a, a, a luxurious cape that I was going to put into Gardevoir that Logan did not have. So he gives me, he sleeves it up for me, which he, Logan was, is the best. He'll, he'll, he'll come on the next episode and chat about his experience. So he sleeves this deck up for me, which was great. But he had that one sleeve left for my cape that I was going to put in. So I was like, great. I grabbed the deck from him. I go sit down. I'm across from my first round opponent that I'll tell you who it was here in a second. I, I put the cape in and then I start shuffling. And I'm like, okay, like this is the first live action I've had in a tournament in, well, a year since we were in Knoxville last year. So first time I've touched cards, shuffled cards. It was just a weird experience. So I'm doing my table shuffle I'm gonna, and I get to 59 cards. And I'm like, frick, I'm missing a card. And the guy across from me, you know, he's, we're talking and he's counting. He's like, are you missing a card? I was like, yeah, man, shoot. I'm, I, hold on. Let me do it again. So I do it again. 59 cards. 
And then he's, and you know, he's super nice about it, but he's like, Hey, do you, can we call, we need to call a judge. Right. Cause they, they were like, all right, you can go, you know, first round starts. And I'm like, still can't find my card. So the judges come over, they're like talking to me. We can't find this card. I look under my mat, Jared, my play mat, and it's sitting there. And it's the cape that I, I put the cape in the, the, my luxurious cape in the sleeve. And then I laid it down on the table. I put the mat over it and I couldn't find it. So I grab it. And like, of course, now I'm like, if this goes to time, which most likely it's going to, I just lose. Like I, because I have a, a warning basically or a time penalty. So the guy I'm playing against, he's like, Hey, it probably won't get to that. And he says that. And I was like, Oh, he's playing Maridon. And I was like, okay, yeah, no worries, man. Like, I'm sorry. So I shuffle up and I draw. And of course it's Maridon and it's, uh, it's top eight finisher, Nick Robinson. So the guy that got top eight, which is great. But at this point we were both zero, zero. So it didn't matter. And I'm like, you know, he starts Squawkabilly. He goes first. I'm like, this isn't going to be great. Like, he gets completely set up. and uh, Or no, he opts to go second. Sorry, I go first. But he won the coin toss. So, like, he he gets, you know, I, I, I start something like a scream tail. And then drop a Greninja. He, I pass. So, I have no Ralts in play. He goes, he iron hands. Like, he just has the nuts. And, and so, he beats me in about four seconds in, in game one. So then we're prepping for game two and this little kid with his parent walked by our table and just hurled everywhere, just threw up all over were the floor. Like the end of the yes. Row? We were at the end of the row. Yeah. Table 940, oh. 949 oh. at the end of the road, all this throw up just everywhere. It was so gross. Just projectile. I'm like, I'm like looking at this kid doing it too. And I just see all the throw up out of their mouth and I'm just so thrown off. Like I'm so thrown. <laughs> I'm like I'm sweating because I'm like running to this thing. I'm like coughing because I'm still kind of sick. The throw up is just a terrible round one. So then like round two or our game two starts. Same same deal. Like I have to go first. I know he wants to go second, but I have to go first. So I'm setting up and uh, you know I don't again I don't even remember. It was over in about four turns and uh, and it was just I was just like relieved that that it was over <laughs> i was like i re i took out all of logan's sleeves i added my own dragon shield matted sleeves because his sleeves were just slipping everywhere like i look like a chump man these cards were flying there's throw up on the floor i was late <laughs> and nick was so nice you know what a nice guy and then i you know it was fun to kind of track with him all tournament i'm like dang dude he's like five and oh like i'm like shoot he's like six and oh you know and um you know, or six one. See, he was six one zero at one point, and so to see him kind of go top eight, I'm like, dang it! Like, if someone had come up to our table and said, "Look, one of the two of you is making top eight tomorrow," I'd been like, "Oh shoot, it's me!" Like, I would have, I would have <laughs> been that like, was, "That was your only loss of the day." That was my only loss of the day, and uh, and again, great player. It it, it was like Maridon popping off. I, I was not. I, I learned, and I'll go through this really quick, but I, I learned how to play against it a little bit better as the day went on. <clears throat> For it, that to be my first round one was was brutal. But apparently Nick had a good build with it, or he knew what he was doing because he carried that throughout the tournament. So um, anyway, round two was against Palkia. That was a win. Anthony Fitcher, good kid. Um, you know, I, I, if Gardevoir just gets set up, again, I just believe in my ability that I'm going to outplay or I, I can, I can win that matchup regardless of whatever it is. And that's just why I chose Gardevoir. Cause it's like, you get into it. If you can get set up, you have a better than 50, 50 chance in my opinion to, to win any, any matchup that, that you throw up against it. But, um, 
Next round was Nicholas Shockley, actually from Murfreesboro. Uh, this guy knew Logan, and I didn't know that at the time, but he had Intellion, Urshifu, Ur- a uh, close match. He he never really was able to get going. Like, he never even got the Devolver out in either game. So, um, kind of felt bad for him there. But that was a win. So, so 2-1, uh, going to round four. This was probably the first the first mistake of the day. It was a mirror match against Axel, a good kid from Austin, Texas, and felt felt very confident in the mirror match. You know, uh, the amount of times I grind on like live, it is like you know, so many games on Pokemon live. I played the mirror a million times. So I felt very comfortable. So I was, I was constantly ahead. I was just one prize ahead and, and I, I had the match in the bag I, and I, but I rushed it. I had scream tail with Cape. I could snipe his Gardevoir that would have put me down to one prize and him to three. And, and I did it probably a turn too early because I just was like, oh, maybe there's a way you can get out of what I'm doing. But I should have I should have just played it like I was playing it. But I rushed it, killed the Gardevoir, did 320 to it. He comes back, knocks out Screamtail. Basically, it comes down to he he I owned me to, to two or to one. And I just I couldn't I couldn't get out of it. And he was able to to take 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 down game one. So. I, at that point, I'm like, I threw my tournament away. I'm like, now we, because that was a 30 minute game, game one against a mirror match. I'm like, there is no way on earth we're going to get another game in, let alone I, I, I can win this game. And Jared, I just, I, I channeled my inner Tord. You know, I told you, I think, I think he's my, he's my Norwegian spirit animal. And so, like, Tord, the reason why he loves playing this deck is because he can just, he can shift, he can be in first gear, and then all of a sudden go to fifth gear with Gardevoir based on the time. And that's what I did. I was just flying. Like, I think Axel was like, oh, my gosh, this guy can actually play quickly. Because I was just like, we're fine. Blah, blah, blah. Like, half the things I didn't even know what I was doing. And I take it all the way down. I, I I win game two right when they called time. So we had no chance to even go to a game three. But at least I, like, escaped with a tie. So I felt, I still feel like I threw it away. So I didn't feel good about it. But I was like, okay, I'll take two, one, one and go into round um, round five. So then, then began the three, I, uh, in, in the chapter of my book, Jared, I call this the three Maridons, uh, <laughs> round five, <laughs> round five, six, and seven. And it was Luke Hernandez, kind of like us. He's a, he's a teacher. He's, he played when we played, like he was like 2011, you know, was like his heyday. He, you know, he's married a couple kids now lives in Austin, but could came and got to, got to play and that was a tie and again was one where I boo-booed because we were into game three and I knew we had about eight minutes left. And so I'm like, if I can just get three prizes off of him when they call time, I can win this game or basically two prizes because I'll, I'll get pri- you know, two prize, two prize and win the game. And it gets to my turn. I'm like, I have like a minute left maybe before time. And I was like, I, I played a super rod that I really didn't need to play, but I played it. That takes up about 15, 20 seconds. All I needed to do was two energies onto the Gardevoir, kill whatever he had active, and then I would have been able to have the prize trade. And they called time before I actually, uh, before I announced the attack. And Luke's a good kid, zero. and he knew. And and I and, and I was like, dude, man. He's like, well, I think this is a tie. Like, you can't you can't take the, you know six prizes. And I was like, man, if I had just announced that attack like five seconds earlier. And he was like, yeah, man, if you would have. And I was like, dang it. Like, he's not going to let me have it. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, anyway, that was a tie because I just 
didn't announce an attack quick enough. And, you know, and then round six, Charles Pack, my boy Charles. This was the chattiest match of the whole day. We were just talking back and forth the whole time. Like, like kind of like John a little bit. He He's a good guy. Like he just, he just, he's a talker. And then I'll kind of, I'm quiet. Like I'm a talker in real life, but I'm quiet in these matches. But he's a talker, so I was like, all right, man, if you're going to talk, I'll talk. So then he just kind of lured me into it, um, playing Maridon. He wins game one because I did not draw an energy to retreat, but then I realized all my energy was actually in play, so it didn't matter. And there were some mistakes made on my retreats where, like, I could have gotten energy out of play during that match, but I didn't. So I lose game one, and then I'm like, well, I'm done. Like, I can't. I got to beat this Maridon, and, and I got to beat it in round two or, you know, game two and game three, I win game two and then we tie game three. So that was another tie. And then the last round against, um, uh, Scott or Scott Morris flips over Maridon. I'm just like, gosh, man, like freaking four Maridons today. Like I just can't, you know? And so same rhythm, uh, he wins game one. <clears throat> I play like a madman and win game two. We actually played a full game three and he actually talking about Mew EX. He got four prizes off of Mew EX because he copied my Greninja move twice. And I, and I just like, didn't, I should have dropped Manafi, but I was like, ah, not that I say I didn't respect Scott, but it, you know, it's at the end of the day. I know I'm not making day two. I, I was just like, whatever, man, like take, you know, and he did it twice. And that's how he was able pretty much to win game three. Um, was because of my lack of, respect of dropping Manafi, but, um, so, and then I just went and dropped. So, um, you know, that, that was the day, man. I mean, um, we had a, you know, it was a good tournament run. I, I again, felt in control of all my matches again, just made little mistakes here and there that cost instead of wins, they became ties and which in the end of the day is pretty much a loss. So that was frustrating. I think, and I told you this on the phone afterwards, and maybe, I don't know if this leads into the lesson of the day or not, but my lesson was just like, I should have done some live practice. And I just, Ooh, yeah, and I just yeah. chose, I chose not to, because we've been playing this game a long time. And, and I, for good or bad, can typically grab a deck and just hop into a tournament and do decently well. And so I think I'm arrogant in that way, and I shouldn't be. Um, but I, I just, the time limit when you play live or on Pokemon live, it, that doesn't really matter, right? The time limit kind of is irrelevant. And so, but when you play, you know, tournament best of three, 50 minutes, especially on a slow deck, like Gardevoir, you need to manipulate that time frame a little bit better. And I did a poor job, did a poor job of that. And, um, I was punished by it. So there you go. There's the quick report. All right. All right. That's a little heartbreaking. It brings a little tear to my eye. Yeah, about it. Sucks, but, Suck, but it's okay. It's okay. You have a, hopefully another tournament coming up here in February. Yeah. Get some, get some practice in, but you are, you're dead on with what I want to talk about because our, our lesson today is, and this is a question I'm going to pose to you Okay. and, and we'll talk about it. Okay. What is Pokemon live helpful for? And what does it hinder you in mm. once you get to a big tournament? I think it is helpful to know your deck in and out. So you you should be able to know exactly how many, like what supporter count, trainer, trainer count, Pokemon, energy, 
it should teach you how to sequence your deck. So like you need to do this first, then this, then this, or if this is the scenario, you do this, then this, then this, or if this is the situation, you do this, and this, and this. So that should help you because it's so repetitive and it gets into your head. And then you should also be able to learn matchups. Um, you know, what your opponent does in the, with this deck and then this deck and then this deck, because you can just keep going. Like I'll get some points where it's like, okay, I, I wanted to see how stall performed against Maridon online. And if it wasn't Maridon, I just conceded and went to the next game. Cause I was just like, I want to see with this matchup. And so live is good at that. Um, what it's not good at is like, and again, this is like what everybody says, but you have to actually do the things when you're holding the cards, like you, someone else doesn't do it for you. You know, it's like, and, and on live, um, and so you have to do this in person versus Pokemon live. But like my, my first, my first look, whenever I can look at the deck first, and I did this all tournament long was like, I put all the Pokemon at the front of my deck just to see what I had. Okay. How many Raltzes are here? How many Curlias, Gardevoirs, you know, Screamtail, Luminion. So I do that and then I would count my energies. So I'm like, okay, I have, I have nine psychic and one reversal. Okay. So that means one is prized or two is prized. This is prized. I'm not going through my trainer count and I, I probably should have. Um, but it, in my opinion, it never, <clears throat> it didn't really matter. I wasn't running too many one ofs that like, I, like a, I had one boss and one professor Turo, but but so when you're playing against someone with holding the cards, you got to really look through your deck and know what's in it and what's not in it to figure out what's prized on Pokemon live. They sort it for you really nicely. So that stuff is, that's probably the biggest difference, you know, checking your discard pile, checking your opponent's discard pile. You have to ask those things. Like you have to do those within your thought process. It's not just like given, you can't just click your mouse or your iPad or whatever to like, look at those things. So that's probably the biggest detriment is it doesn't teach you like it, it just doesn't for you versus then when you get to a live tournament, you have to do those for yourself. And that, like that first, like probably five minutes, I was just like staring at the cards in my hand. I was like, what do these do again? Like, what, what am I doing? <laughs> like, it was like an existential moment. I'm like, what? Like I'm looking at this card, but I don't understand it, you know, cause you're just looking at it on a screen all the time. So I would say that's probably the biggest. That's the biggest one. The biggest good and bad. Uh, true or false? Live helps you with your time management in game. Oh, false. Terrible. Not good time management. Uh, I, I I do like that. Explain that. Explain that more. I do like that. Live forces you to make actions. Like you know, if you're thinking about a play, the timer does come up, right? So you can't just sit on something for like four and a half minutes. Um. But when you get into these best of threes in a 50 minute match, like it just matters how long it takes you to do things. And if you're just naturally slow, that, that probably more times than not is going to hurt you because even if you're intentionally trying to play slow to milk the clock at your advantage, there will be times in a tournament where you're going to have to speed up your actions just because you might lose game one because unlucky or something, but now you're not like prepared to make quick actions fast enough to stay in the game or whatever. And so I think it doesn't, it does not help you as far as like managing the time of the matches, you know, and your actions and stuff like that. Um, and then like, sometimes it's like, Oh, did I, you know, did I forget to do this? Like, did I retreat twice? Like, did I do refinement, you know, and you have to really track those things. And so I think the time management, it does not help you. 
No. False. 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 Uh, true or false, uh, live is is limiting in some aspects of what you can actually do with the physical cards. Mm, what do you mean? Like, are there things that you can practice if you go to league, if you're in a tournament, things that you can do in real life that live as a system doesn't let you do? Oh, um, I would say, I mean, this may not be exactly what you're asking, but like specifically to Gardevoir, what I did like about playing in person versus live is when you psychic embrace with Gardevoir online, it takes like 15 minutes to place all your crap everywhere. And in this, I was like, oh, I can, I can just grab five energy, throw it onto this Gardevoir, put a uh, uh, hundred damage and announce the attack. Like, like, oh, this is nice. Like, this is a lot faster. Um, uh, you do have to like when um, Gardevoir does the uh, Shining Arcana, there was a, 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 a in against our guy from Tennessee, um, Nicholas. He he was confused. He accused. He thought I wouldn't say accused. That sounds like murder. He thought I I double attached from hand uh, because I did an Arcana and I had an energy from there, and I so I attached it to the Screamtail, and then I did some more actions, and then I attached an energy from my hand, and he was like, "No, you already did that." And I was like, no, no, that came from the Shining Arcana. And he was like, no, no, it didn't. It came from your hand. And I was like, no, it didn't. And it, and it was like, that's kind of how it ended. But it was kind of awkward. Right. But online, happen on live. On live, it does it for you. So you know you're not falling yeah. into the trap of that. Um, so, yeah. That's, that's what's interesting to me. And I'll, I'll throw my two cents in here on this is I, I like live because it does make you follow the rules to the letter of the law and there are no questions about something like that minus you know minor malfunctions or whatever what i don't like is things like you alluded to this earlier if uh if you play a nest ball on live it will only let you look at your basic pokemon mm. it's not letting you look at your whole deck to do counts to see what's left Sure. And and that's that's I, I mean, that's what the card says. So that's how the system's built. But in real life, you lay a nest ball. Mm -hmm. You get the opportunity to look through your whole deck, figure yeah. out some things, things like that. So it, it's hard because you're never going to get a perfect one to one. Yeah. But I, I do appreciate what you're saying in that. I don't think the online experience can fully prepare you for a tournament situation. No. I, I agree. Um, <laughs> cards like the two to come to mind are um, escape cart. I couldn't tell you for the longest time that that said only basic could retreat. <laughs> and I had that in a Mew deck and was like, get furious that it was glitching, that I couldn't retreat my Mew VMAX. <laughs> oh, I was pissed. I'm like, this thing is so broken. It's so stupid. So live, I would have done that and probably been given a penalty <laughs> in person, I mean. And then the other one was the uh, um, uh, Hisuian Heavy Ball. Thought that was any Pokemon out of your prizes, like totally. And I didn't know it was just basic. And so online, you're, I'm like, I see it right here. Like, it won't let me click it. But in person, I would have just done it. And then again, probably would have got a prize penalty. So, you know, those are just the things that the system, I'm glad that it does that on, on live, but sometimes I don't read the card all the way. So I, I'm confused on why it's doing it, but, um, I will say to its credit, you know, last year we went into Knoxville and, and, and <laughs> we won't dive back into the mess of us trying to put decks together for that, but it was a disaster, but I was running just some stupid supply, uh, um, uh, Inteleon, you know, the one that 
finds cards. I had no idea what I was doing with that deck. And like by like round three, I kind of was like, okay, now I get it a little bit more. And so I was not prepared. And I felt like every match was just a crapshoot in Knoxville last year. This one, complete control. I knew exactly what I was doing. I knew what I was up against. You know me. Sometimes in these tournaments, I'll get a headache by about round five. No headache the whole day. Like I felt, I, I was disappointed in myself. But like, I never was at a junction in any of the matches where I didn't know what they were about to do or the next three things they were about to do. Like I, I felt very prepared. And that's because I could play, you know, a thousand games of Gardevoir online and, and just play like when I'm in the bathroom, when I, this is going on, when I'm, you know, and I can just get so many games in and, and, and now because it's on your phone versus your iPad, uh, it just helps. So I, I am a proponent of it, but there are, you can't rely on it. I should have gone to a league. I should have gone to a league challenge, something to, to prepare for this tournament. I think that's a good word. I think live is an essential component. It's a tool in the toolbox of the competitive player. Um, the, the other thing that I was going to bring up is, uh, I think you would agree with this, is regardless of where you are, if you're playing in the competitive ladder of live, it is not 100% indicative of what the meta act actually represents when you get to a real tournament, right? Mm -hmm. Even in ladder, people are experimenting with things and I've seen many people be frustrated over time, whether it was, you know, PTCGO or whether it was live. I'll talk to them and turn to like, man, I, I was running through people online with this deck and now I come here and it just doesn't translate. And uh, what I've learned through this podcast and through a lot of our guests that we have is a lot of the best players just aren't playing there. Mm -hmm. And if they are, they're in private matches scrimming with their teams where they don't have the ability to sit down across from them. The meta online is close to, but not accurately reflective of what is going on in these big tournaments. Mm -hmm. You're 100 percent right. You you can't you can't assume live Pokemon Live is going to be your like ultimate training center and prepare you for regionals. But but I do believe it it helps you understand your deck inside and out. It does that because of the amount of reps you're getting playing your deck. But for it to teach you how you're going to perform against the meta or what's going to be at a regionals, totally you can't rely on that. Like, I, I again, the week leading up, I did a lot of Gardevoir, did not hit a lot of Charizard. But I told you it was going to be massive at this regionals, and and so you'd have to know those things. And it's tough, like I didn't get as many reps against it, but in your head, you kind of know what they're going to do. You know what you're going to do. The best thing for you to do in those situations, Jared, or for what I should have done is like, I should have just put together Charizard and just played a bunch. And then you get to know what your opponent's thinking, even though you, you're not going with your deck against it, but you're in your head of that deck. And that's what I would recommend is probably the best way for live is you build out Charizard, you build out Maridon, Lost, Tina, Palkia, Snorlax, Stall, if you have the, the coin or whatever to do it. And you will just get, you will know what they're thinking, right? Because if they're thinking it, then you you know what their next move is going to be with whatever deck you're playing. That's great. And I agree. It's great for theory crafting. It's great for looking at all the cards. It's a place to go, try some rogue stuff. But as we've showed you on today's podcast, there's a very limited meta right now in terms of if you want to make day two. And I say limited, there's 17 decks that are making day two yeah. right now. Pretty different. So. Yeah. Keep that in mind, but I, I remembered you saying that a little bit after the tournament was like kind of this momentary shock of 
doing the actions of the cards and realizing it. So what we're trying to advocate for, this is not the let's beat up on Pokemon Live. There's enough Reddit forums for that if you want to get involved in that. <laughs> but how to appropriately use Live to prepare yourself yeah. for in-person tournaments. Yeah, I, I think it's still, I think it's vital. I, I truly do. Not everybody's on a team, you know, where you can play against the players that are setting the meta, right? Not only just like the best players in, in North America, but they're like the reason why the meta breaks down how they are. <clears throat> you know, Azul does a video about Charizard that gets 40,000 views, you know, five days before the tournament. Well, what do you think a bunch of people are going to be running? I mean, you know, and so they set that and they can play against each other. And like you, you like you alluded to, but that doesn't mean you should not play live if you don't have that. Cause not everybody has the ability right. to do those things, nor the time, you know, to, to do that stuff. So you and I can hop on and play against each other and get a good feel for practice. But it's like, when are we have the time to do that, man? You have like a midnight, like there's, it's just rare. It's hard and with our lives. So <clears throat> we could do that instead of recording this podcast, but I don't like that argument. <laughs> We're not doing that. So we should play and record the podcast one time. We'll try that. We'll, we'll, Ooh, that we'll try to multitask. Um, but anyway, but yeah, man, thanks for, uh, you know, uh, being there when every time I, I called you in between rounds, I always appreciate that, you know, tell, tell you what's going on. Um, you know, Logan was a big support shout out to him. Saw a lot of old, uh, players from, uh, from the Austin region and Dallas and stuff that I would know for over the years. So it was fun to see them, you know, everybody has kids now, and this is like their one getaway for, for the, for the year, um, uh, was coming to play. So it was fun to see some of them, um, and just, you know, a lot of people at that tournament and just fun to see the game growing. I agree. I agree. So shout outs to everybody listening who is there, who is watching. It is exciting to continue to see the community and the size of these tournaments grow. I think sky's the limit. Everything is in place right now. Cards are not super expensive. The meta is very diverse. If you're out there and you're thinking, is this a good time to get into Pokemon? This is the time to mm. get into the Pokemon trading card game. It's not very difficult to pick up, but it's very hard to master. And that's what we're here to help you with. There you go. Wherever you're at, taking the next step, getting better. We're getting better. So continue to join us on that journey. Like us. Give us a five-star review. We're going to be doing some things here in the new year, even though I believe this might be the – I think we may have one more episode this year. Mm -hmm. But uh, next year, we'll get 2024, we're going to be trying to take this to the next level with some more video elements and just making this nicer and more accessible to our adoring mm. crowd. Mm. going to be so good. So good. Cool. That's it. Well, my friend, I will see you on live, maybe. Uh, <laughs> Merry Christmas to you. Celebrating yes. out there. And, yeah. And uh, we'll catch you next week on Teach Me Pokemon. Sounds good. See you, buddy. See ya. You can find us at roguemedianetwork.com. Teach me Pokemon podcast. Come and dive with us. This has been a Rogue Media Network production. Ah!